It's a great privilege for me to be here with you today. I want to go back in history, but uh, actually, this church has a real special heart, a place in my heart, because in 1962, that was probably before some of you were born, <laughs> 1962, this church took us on as missionaries. So we were missionaries until, uh, with this church until 1970. And you'll see in the video the reason it happened in up until 1970. But uh, I'm not here to preach to you this morning in this Sunday school hour. I'm here to tell you my testimony. It's something that is dear to me to share my testimony with many people. Yesterday I was at the house that my folks used to own here in South Bend. And I stopped in and talked to the lady there. And I was able to give her my testimony. I was able to share the gospel with her. And she asked me where my home was. And I said, heaven. And she said, well, I guess I won't see you there. And so that opened it up to give a testimony of what salvation is all about and how she can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as her personal savior. Are you testifying for him? I hope so. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. And I wanna start reading. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels in mercy, fulfill ye my joy. I'm going to go just that far. I was born in 1933. That's a little bit before some of you were around. 1933 in Montana. And my folks had moved there from Kansas and dad and mother both were teaching in school out there. And I came to, into life when dad was just changing jobs into uh, sales work. And this was hitting into the depression later on and our family was struggling, but you know, God worked in a marvelous way. Mother and dad were both religious, but they were unsaved. You might be here today and consider the fact that you're quite religious and believe in God, believe in Jesus, and, but really and truly, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Does he know you as his own child? That's a good question. And I spent my first 11 years being told that salvation is according to our works. Dad always would drive home to me, you have to do better, you have to do more good works than bad works, or else you're gonna to go to hell. But if you do enough good works, you'll go to heaven. I don't know if you've been taught that when you were younger, but it's a lie of Satan. It's not by works that we receive salvation. It's by the grace of God when we un understand what Christ has done for us, repent of our sin and trust Christ and give ourselves to him wholly. And we need to realize that salvation is for everybody. As I grew up in this liberal church, my Sunday school teacher told me one day, uh, well, let me go back just a, one, a couple months, a few months before this. My father and mother were religious. Someone was really on the ball and gave my mother a book, a book by Dr. Henry Ironsides. The name of the book was Unless You Repent. Mother read the book. And dad realized something had happened in mother's life. Mother had trusted Christ as her own personal savior. 
And dad said to mother, what are you reading? Oh, you wouldn't be interested in this at all. No way. And she was praying after she came to know the Lord Jesus Christ that dad in his stubborn will would get a hold of the book and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And dad was in sales and he left and mother left the book on the end table of the, by the uh, couch. And that Monday morning, that book was gone. Dad was gone the whole week. Now, dad being very, very religious, in, enjoyed seeing people get into the Bible. We always were reading the Old Testament and, and different things of the Old Testament and all the uh, uh, stories. And I actually it was so boring when we got into Numbers and Le Leviticus and everything like that. I didn't understand anything and I don't think they did. But you know, dad thought we ought to have the Bibles in the, in the motels and the, and the hotels. And so he encouraged uh, other people and they, they started a Gideon's uh, group that were distributing Bibles. So dad was active and he uh, was really anxious to get the word of God into these motels, even though he wasn't saved. So anyway, as uh, he read this book, Unless You Repent by Dr. Ironsides, it uh, did something in his life. It is his time to preach and give present the Gideons this one Sunday and he gave a gospel message and saying you have to repent unless you do not repent you will go to hell you have to trust Christ only as your personal savior and he gave a terrific message and after the message mom said to him when did you get saved <laughs> he said last week reading this book, his life was completely changed. In one week's time, he was out preaching and teaching that salvation is only by faith alone and not by works, lest any man should boast. A few weeks later, my Sunday school teacher told us now, as you all are 12 and 13, and it's time that you go forward and get saved. So, I didn't understand what she was talking about. We'd only been going for a little bit. But you know, the pastor gave an invitation, knowing that those kids were all gonna come forward that Sunday morning. My class went forward, there were 12 of them. I was number 13, but I stayed in the back. Dad leaned down to me, he said, aren't you gonna go forward, son? I said, I don't know what's going on. You know, that's the case with some of you. You don't really understand possibly what the gospel is all about. Dad insisted and so I went forward some of the kids were up there going I, so I started thinking that that was supposed to be part of the deal and so the pastor prayed and he said okay you're all saved now I said that's great he said next Sunday you're going to be baptized so I was uh, still a sinner not saved but he baptized us all, and I don't think any of them really understood what salvation was all about. A few weeks later, R.G. Letourneau, I don't know if any of you ever, ever heard of him, he was involved, he was a Christian businessman, owned these great big companies with road uh, machinery and all that they, he built, he was an inventor. He had built a conference grounds down in Georgia. 
and before the war, and then when the war, to, uh, the Second World War came, the army took it over as, as a hospital for the soldiers there in Georgia. So he approached my dad. He says, Mr. Philippi, would you consider being the director of the conference grounds and actually put it, start using it? Because it's just, the war had just ended. Dad said, I'm not interested. I got a job of business going really good. He said, well, pray about it. Now, Dad had only been saved a few weeks. So Dad prayed about it and uh, Mom prayed about it. R.G. Letourneau convinced him to go down, fly down in his airplane down to Georgia and see it. He was down there a few weeks and then came back and all of a sudden we were packed up, packing up, sold the house and down to Georgia we went. I mean, talk about a change. That was a tremendous change. Dad said, okay, we're gonna have conferences here every summer and uh, your boys are going to, my, I had a brother, an older brother. He said, you boys are going to attend every service on, uh, at night. And if there's two services, you're gonna be in both of them. Well, that was something new because we were hearing the gospel for the first time. Fundamental pastors who are coming and preaching God's word. What a blessing for my folks. And I heard messages that really hit home and my heart was heavy. But I said, oh, the pastor told me I was already saved. I don't need to even think about it. Someone else needs it, not me. I'm saved. But I knew I wasn't saved. I struggled with this for three years. And when I was 15 years old, listening to the message of God's word, I couldn't resist the Holy Spirit working in my heart. And in between services, the first service and the second service, I bowed my head. I was way in the back, as far back as I could get, away from the pulpit. And, you know, that's the way life is when you're not walking with God. You try to get as far away as you possibly can. But God found me back there and, and worked in my heart and brought true repentance my, to me. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and I was sure hearing it. And faith comes the same way as repentance comes the same way as faith. That evening, I bowed my head. They didn't give an invitation, but I bowed my head and poured out my heart to God and told him how terrible of a sinner I was and how repentant I was of my sin. I wanted to give myself to him. Boy, what a change came over my life. I had a hobby of building little radios that uh, Back then, they were simple with tubes and so on and so forth. But uh, I had a friend down in Tokoa that owned this, just had opened up this radio shop and he sold all kinds of uh, radio equipment. And back then they didn't have any TVs or anything, but he sold all these record players and, and uh, equipment for uh, just use in the home. But he also had a, a real good supply of, of parts for radios. So I would go there and buy my parts. This one day, right after the next day after I was saved, I went back to the store. I said, you know, I need, I need a condenser. I burned my one condenser out, on tr just trying it out. and. I said, you don't know what happened to me, John, last night. He said, what happened, Myron? I said, I got saved. I trusted Christ as my personal savior. He said, Myron, I don't want to hear anything about that. I said, okay. Well, I tell you, my life, I don't want to hear about it, Myron. You and I are friends. We've been friends for quite a while. Okay. I bought the part and left. Next Sunday, I went to a church and wanted to be baptized. And so I 
After I was baptized, I went back to the store and told John, John, you don't know what happened to me last night. I said, he said, what? I was baptized. He said, Myron, shut up. I don't want to hear anything like that anymore. If you talk about it, anything religious and, uh, to me, I'm going to throw you out of this store. Hmm. Well, you know, I didn't let that stop me. The following week was a missionary conference at the, at the conference grounds. And I took the whole conference in. It was a blessing. The last night of the conference, they gave me an invitation. They'd given one many nights, but God had not yet worked in my heart. But that night, God worked in my heart and called me to the mission field to be a missionary pastor. And what a joy came over to my heart, over my life. And I went forward. And I remember, as clear as it was, as if it happened yesterday, the pastor said, now you parents that will stand behind your children as their decision has come to be a missionary, you come and stand behind your children. Mother came, she was crying. Dad didn't go right at first. Then he finally went forward and stood behind, stood with mother. Why? Because it was, a, it was something that dad really hadn't planned for his younger son. You know, sometimes we parents hold our children back and are hesitant about letting them go into full-time work to serve the Lord. That was a big decision. But I had already realize God's calling upon my life. Well, <laughs> as it would be that uh, next day I went to the store. I said, John, you can't imagine what happened to me last night. He said, what happened, Myron? I said, I surrendered my life to go to the mission field. I want to be a pastor. And then I got that far and nothing more. He grabbed me by the back of my neck and took me to the door and gave me a big shove right out the door. I was devastated. I turned to him and with tears going down my face, I said, if, you, if that's what you want, just go to hell then. I didn't know how to witness, but that was what was on my heart. I prepared to go, that was my first year of high school. I went, I decided I'm going to go to a Christian high school. I told my folks, I, I really want to start my preparation right now. So I went to Bob Jones. They had a high school there in Greenville, South Carolina, about 80 miles northeast of, of where we lived in Georgia. And I learned a lot of verses. Boy, I was really, I had my quiver full of arrows. I was, I was ready for bear. I was going to go back and really give John how, what I knew about the Bible to witness to him. <laughs> I got back at Christmas, went into the store, and I said, where's John? An older couple were there. They said, well, we bought this store from John several months ago. He's gone. Where'd he go? We don't know. My heart sank. I didn't get an opportunity to talk to him about the Lord. I want to fast forward about seven years. I prepared myself for the ministry. Went to Moody, you'll see it in the video. My wife and I, I, I married this beautiful, wonderful girl that God led into my life. Some of you know her or knew her. And uh, we went, to, after we were graduated and married, we went to 
be accepted by the mission board, and then we went down to Georgia. And I told her, I said, honey, we don't have time to go over to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we were members of a Baptist church there in Chattanooga. But let's just go out in the country here and, and go to church out here. Because we had arrived late Saturday night and it, we didn't want to get up too early on Sunday morning. So we got to this church and it was early. There was only one car there. And there was a man standing on the, on the church uh, steps. So I drove around, parked in the back. We walked up arm in arm, newlyweds. What a joy. I got close to, the, to see the man and he would moved down onto the sidewalk in front of the church and I whispered to my wife, I think I know that guy. And she said, yeah, who is he? I'll tell you later. And uh, would you know it? I got close, I said, are you John? Yeah, are you Myron? Yeah. I said, what in the world are you doing here? He said, I'm the pastor of this church. I said, what happened? How did that happen? He said, Myron, do you remember me throwing you out of the store? I said, I, I could never forget it. I prayed, I prayed and I prayed for you. He said, well, God answered your prayers because I couldn't sleep after I threw you out of the store. I couldn't sleep. I'd always see your face with the tears coming down and hearing your voice saying, just go to hell then if that's what you want. I said, what happened? He said, I went out looking for you. I got out to the conference grounds and you were gone. Your folks were gone. The only person who was there was the caretaker. I said, where's Myron? Where's the folks? He told me they're gone. He said, I gotta talk to a pastor. I gotta talk to someone. He said, well, I got a good pastor. He said, uh, here's his phone number. Here's his address. Go talk to him. He went that very day and called the pastor and, and went to his, his, his uh, to the church, went to his office and told him his story. Said, I gotta get saved. And the pastor led him to the Lord. He was under conviction after hearing pastor preach many times and, and the Lord worked in his heart to become a pastor of a church. So he sold his store, took off and went to seminary and was pastoring several years before I got into the ministry. What a blessing. He said to me, Myron, I want you to preach for me this morning, but I gotta tell my testimony first. Well, he took most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> he left me a few minutes and what a blessing. You know, God has works in marvelous ways. And I wanna share some of the ways that he's worked after I had my preparation. So we're gonna show the video and then I want to just share God's word with you a little bit. But before I show the video, I do want to hit this one verse in Philippians chapter 2. It says, fulfill my joy. And you know, that joy is when a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The Apostle, Paul's, the Apostle John said, there's no greater joy to, to see that my children walk in the truth. Are you walking in the truth? Do you really have the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and life? I trust so. I want to show you what happened after my wife and I, or actually from our last year in school, so at Moody. Would you go ahead? Turn off the lights probably to see it better. For 50 years, we have served the Lord in foreign and home missions. After we were saved, our greatest desire was to serve the Lord on the mission field. 
we received an in-depth and practical preparation at the Moody Bible Institute. In June 1955, I graduated from the Pastor's Missionary Course and Dottie from the Christian Education Course. On June the 17th, 1955, Dottie and I were married and after a short honeymoon, we attended candidate school, thus beginning our missionary ministry. The following eight months were occupied in deputation meetings to raise our support. God provided our needed support early April of 1956, and we boarded the plane and went to San Jose, Costa Rica where we were blessed with good teachers for an intensive year of language study. In September 1957, we arrived in Venezuela to continue our foreign missionary ministry. For the next 14 years, we served the Lord in many areas of Venezuela. Our first term, we lived on the Colombian border. We began a new work in the town of Ureña. This was the first church that we had the privilege of founding. Even through severe persecution, the Lord raised up this church in an extremely fanatical town. During those first years, God gave us four children. Donald, born in Costa Rica, Chuck, born in Venezuela, Beverly, born in Colombia, and finally Jim, born in Indiana. Our children were an asset to the ministry and opened many doors of opportunity to witness. During the next 10 years, we established many churches in small towns in the plains of Venezuela. We flew throughout the great plains and jungles of Venezuela using a Cessna 185 airplane. The great plains of Venezuela is a vast area of 200 by 320 miles. At first, the only way that this area could be visited was by means of river travel or a jeep in the dry season. Only a few missionaries visited this area prior to my working in the plains. There were 500 airstrips which permitted us to access this entire area all year long. In the state of Apure, there were dozens of towns scattered along the river with small landing strips like Ayagual, Arizmendi, Achaguas, Santa Barbara, only to mention a few. My daily routine was to evangelize from house to house and that at night I would always hold a meeting in the street. Many people were receptive to the gospel. As I preached the word, souls were saved. Since the rivers were filled with piranha and crocodiles, we had to baptize in pools of rainwater which had been covered with moss. In these towns, God enabled me to plant a church and train pastors for the work. With the help of national pastors who would donate a week every three months, these churches were able to receive more visits and training. God indeed helped us see new churches raised up. In some cases, I was able to help them build their church building. I began visiting La Victoria, a town on the Venezuelan-Colombian border. After many came to know the Lord as their Savior, a national pastor was called to serve in that area. Pastor Rafael and his wife were used of the Lord in this ministry. The work grew and God richly blessed this work. Out in the middle of nowhere, I found a group of believers who had come to know the Lord through reading God's Word. From year to year, I held a week-long Bible conference with them. Hundreds attended, coming from miles around, arriving on burros or on foot. It was such a blessing to preach the Word of God to these spiritually hungry souls for a week-long conference. As an additional ministry, I took supplies to missionaries in the jungle and would fly them in and out as necessary. Other missionaries received my assistance whenever possible. In the air or on the ground, daily communications with Dottie was indispensable for my safety and for the good of our family. Dottie took care of our home and was actively involved in the local church with children's classes and ladies' work. For 14 years, we were able to carry on a most difficult but important task of church planting in Venezuela. In 1970, we returned to Indiana for the educational needs of our children. Shortly after returning to Indianapolis, we began a Spanish church planting ministry in our home. We later rented a building for our new Spanish mission. 
A week after leaving Venezuela, I started working for a corporation in Indianapolis as their corporate pilot. I supported my family by flying a corporate prop jet. This work gave me liberty to be home at nights and weekends to continue the Spanish ministry. The Spanish church continued to grow and in 1978, we purchased this old Methodist church for $24,000, which we then remodeled. God blessed this ministry with over 90 in regular attendance. In 1979, we turned this organized Spanish Baptist church over to a Cuban pastor. In 1978, we were accepted by Baptist World Mission to serve the Lord in Guadalajara, Mexico. In January 1980, we arrived in Guadalajara to begin a work with the middle and upper class people. Guadalajara had a population of 2,750,000 in 1980 when we arrived. We rented and later purchased this house where we lived most of our 24 years in Guadalajara. Every night of the week we held Bible studies in different homes in the area and in our home on Sunday. Visitation in our neighborhood was important and new classes were established. From the beginning I held a two-hour men's Bible study each Monday night in our home. Gradually, our Sunday attendance increased until we had a full house. We then found an adequate building to rent near the center of the city. The interest continued to grow and people were saved and baptized. Two years later, with the tithes and offerings, we were able to purchase this land. On the back section, there were four broken down horse stables. It was a mess, but we began cleaning it out. We started the reconstruction immediately. Everyone did what they could to make it progress. It soon took shape as we painted, cleaned, and made preparation for the first church service in our new location. That day finally arrived. What a transformation. Three years later, there wasn't even standing room, so we used closed-circuit TV for our overflow crowd on the back porch as we preached the word, others were saved. Over 120 were attending regularly. We held our first Bible Institute class in 1986 to prepare our own people for the ministry. Dottie held a weekly Bible class in our home with the ladies. We started two mission ministries, one in Tala and another in Guadalajara. There was ample space at the site of our building and we drew plans for the construction of the new auditorium. Lupe, a member of our church, began welding the trusses and the foundations were poured for the new construction. A friend of ours and his two sons from Indiana donated many weeks to help weld the trusses and structures. That's your missionary way up in the air stabilizing the first two trusses. Little by little, the building was taking shape. The construction seemed to move slowly, but we only built as offerings were given by our people. No money was borrowed. Soon, our neighborhood began to develop, and it was a blessing when the city decided to pave our street first. The dedication took place on July the 3rd, 1994, to God be the glory. I preached and taught 10 hours each week, but our church reached a point where it was not growing. As a result of many excusing themselves because of not knowing how to witness, I started writing Bible courses that our people could use in one-on-one -on -one Bible classes to reach the unsaved. It was well received and the brethren really went to work reaching the lost. At the beginning, we had as many as 70 classes each week. I compiled these lessons into a book and many churches throughout Latin America are now using it with success. Our attendance more than doubled in size and many souls were saved. 19,000 books have now been printed in Spanish. I have translated this book into the English language and is now being used in the English-speaking world. The second edition in English came off the press in January of 2005. Because many pastors and missionaries on other mission fields have requested this book, this year the Lord willing, Becoming a Christian will be translated into nine languages. 
Italian, Portuguese, Suriname, German, Russian, and Ukraine, an African language in two languages spoken in India. I recommend one-on-one -on -one Bible studies, but sometimes a whole family is taught. Presently, there is an average of 34 classes being taught each week to the unsaved by our people in Guadalajara. What a blessing! Souls are being saved and our church is growing. God continued to bless His Word as we taught and preached. The attendance continued to increase as our people faithfully witnessed and held weekly Bible classes. 35 to 40 men still enthusiastically desire to hear the teaching of God's Word for two hours on Monday nights, which helps form a strong foundation for the church. 30 to 40 young people meet every Saturday afternoon, and we are excited about what God is doing in their lives. We have distributed over 100,000 gospel tracts in the city of Guadalajara. Since the Bible Institute began 18 years ago, it has grown beyond all expectations. These men realize that training is vital as they attend the ministerial class. Dottie taught the women's Christian education class at the Bible Institute. For months, the ladies would make plans for the five-day vacation Bible school. Each year, our goal is to have more than 200 children present daily from 9 a.m. to 1 in the afternoon. The well-prepared teacher has the attention of 200 children for the Bible lesson. Our goal is to someday reach enough people to fill this building which holds 750 people. Dottie gave piano lessons to 12 Bible Institute students. Ilsa was the best student and now the church pianist. Since our retirement from the foreign ministry was forthcoming, in the business meeting of March 2003, I presented my resignation as pastor of the church. Realizing he was God's man, there was a unanimous vote to receive Pastor Miguel in my place. Pastor Miguel came to know the Lord 14 years ago, and he immediately started attending our Bible Institute. Three years later, I united Miguel and his fiancée in marriage. He then became our youth pastor and camp director. Five years later, he became my assistant pastor and now the pastor. God is using Pastor Miguel Camacho and Luis Canul as his assistant. Meet Pastor Miguel's family, his wife, Clement, baby Aniel, and Grandma Philippi. We love them as though they were our own children. God is greatly using this humble servant. Pastor Miguel is doing a good job and the work is going forward. Over 300 attend on Sunday morning. To God be the glory. Pray for the working Guadalajara. The population of this city has grown to six million. Time passes fast. We now have been 50 years in the ministry. It is our desire to continue serving the Lord. We are holding several Bible classes with Spanish-speaking people in the Clearwater, Tampa area using the book, Becoming a Christian. Our plans are to also hold Bible conferences teaching one-on-one -on -one evangelism in both English and Spanish-speaking churches throughout the United States using this proven guide. Brethren, I count not myself to have achieved, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are sincerely grateful to all of you who have helped make our missionary work possible during these many years through your prayers and financial gifts. Please continue to pray for us. Thank you. And we have the lights, please. Thank you. When I turned 70 years of age, which was, I have nothing to hide, it was 17 years ago, uh, we came back to the States because my wife's health was failing. I wanted to continue, but I wanted the Lord's will to be done. Only nine months later, she had 
several heart attacks, and they happened in Indianapolis. Took her right to the hospital, the heart hospital there, and she had a five bypass operation which saved her life. I thank God for giving her to me for another 16 years, a year ago now. She went home to be with the Lord. God has called me back to the mission field. One second. I had organized our, or, uh, a group to have the book, Becoming a True Christian, publicized in many countries. I gave that as a goal, and God honored it in a great way. We had given to us 30-some thousand dollars on offerings and selling of the book. I sell the book. Becoming a True Christian. I wrote it first in Spanish because my Spanish was better than my English. My wife actually translated it into English. It's called Becoming a True Christian. And the Lord has blessed and has provided enough money to print this book in 40 countries under the circumstances or the condition that in most of the countries, they will give 50% of the cost of the printing. I just came back from Guatemala and, and El Salvador, and pardon me, in Honduras, where in Honduras, I guess in English it's called Honduras. But uh, I was there for one month in Honduras and, and presented to the pastors the opportunity of having this aid for reaching into homes with, of unsaved people. You realize that I was shocked. God made it possible for me to be in three conferences with pastors. First conference in San Pedro Sula with 18 pastors. Second, pa second conference with pastors, 18 pastors in uh, Tegucigalpa, the capital city of Honduras. Then the third in a Bible Institute with 12 pastors. And between that, I had 10 pastors more that I interviewed. Not one of the pastors, when I asked the question, how many of you have ever had a Bible study in the home of an unsaved person? And none of them could, have, could raise their hand and tell me or communicate and tell me that they had ever had a Bible study in the home of unsaved people. I said, well, how in the world do you start a ministry without having a Bible study? I've never started any ministry, and I've started many churches, without having Bible studies in the homes of unsaved people, a continued study where I go back every week. And they said, the missionaries never taught us this. We never knew. And I said, well, this is an opportunity for you to see your churches grow. Do you realize the pastors right now, because of the COVID and other problems, they're, they're, they're very discouraged. Many of them are very discouraged because their attendance has dropped. They're not able to uh, have services in many cases, but they can go to homes and they can have their people go to homes. Do you realize being there in Guatemala, they provided the entire funds that we need for printing the book, 2,000 copies in Guatemala. We just printed 3,000 copies because the pastors were so enthusiastic about it in Honduras. And they just came off, they were just, last, last week they, were, they turned over the 3,000 copies to us. What a blessing. I receive letter after letter thanking me. Pastor, thank you, thank you, because this is a book that's really helping us. It's a tool to really get people under the sound of the gospel. And then the first five chapters is a discipleship for the unsaved. And the last five chapters is a discipleship for the saved. 
What a blessing because they are participating. They have their heart in it. And God has given me the opportunity now under our mission to extend my retirement to all of Latin America. And my goal is this next year to finish with not only Guatemala and Honduras, but El Salvador. I'll be there for one month, contacting pastors, encouraging them, preaching. I preach every Sunday, sometimes twice a Sunday or twice a week in, in many of these countries. And then I'm going to El Salvador and then to Nicaragua for six weeks and on down to Costa Rica for six weeks and then to Panama for six weeks. I plan to get back to, back to the United States next summer, about June, the Lord willing, uh, about the middle of June because the first of June I have to be in Guatemala. And the Lord willing, as we continue in the fall of next year, I'll be in Uruguay. They've asked me to come to Uruguay and to, to uh, Argentina and Chile. And then we're going to be working the following year. I'll be working in, in the other countries of South America. I need your prayers. I asked the people in a letter if they would, in, in lieu of giving flowers from the wife, my wife's memorial service, if they would send uh, an offering. I anticipated maybe getting, oh, $1,000 to help in the ministry. And I told them what it was for, it was for the book. I was shocked, but $12,400 came in that means 12,400, approximately 12,000 more books can be printed. And, and now we have enough for to be able, enough money to be able to print this book in 40 different countries. That means I have to go to Europe. I just received last week the final translation of the book in Italian, the Italian language. It was a shocker to me, but one of the former missionaries who is an Italian, an Italian pastor to Italy, gave enough money as an offering to have this book printed in his own country. Why? Because he wants to see his people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal, their personal savior. It was a real sacrifice for them because they didn't have a lot of money. Two years ago, he went to be with the Lord. And my goal is to, as I print the dedication, I plan to get it, dedicate this, the book in Italian to his ministry, to him and his wife who have served the Lord there in Italy. Several other countries, Spain and other countries are looking forward to getting the, this tool into their hands because it is something that is easy to work with and for anybody to lead a person to the Lord. I have a 10-year-old great-grandson. I was with him all last week and I gave him as a birthday present my book, signed it. And I asked his mother two days ago, I said, how's he doing? And has he opened the book yet? He's, she said, yes. I can't get him away from it. He's studying it and he's, he likes it. He said, this is really explaining what things that he didn't understand. You know, God has worked not only in the life of other people's family, but in my own family. He needs the Lord. Maybe your children need the Lord. Maybe they've made some kind of a profession, but really have not repented of their sin and given themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is vital. I have so many other things I wanted to share with you, but my time is up. 
But you know, you pr I need your prayers. I am in real good health. The doctors can't find anything wrong with me. And uh, they tried to. <laughs> because, you know, Satan doesn't really want me on the mission field. My own personal physician said, hey, you're too old to do that. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I, I feel like I'm 65. In fact, I feel better than when I was 65. And with God's help, I'm going to give the rest of my life to him. How about you? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word, the joy that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only of being saved, but seeing other people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ too as their, as their own personal savior and then live for him. What a blessing, Lord, it is that we have the privilege of sharing your word. Help us that we might go out and have the vision of reaching the unsaved with the gospel as we do in Guadalajara. Thank you, Lord, for those that are working so hard right now in reaching out. We pray for the ministry in Guatemala and also in Honduras as they use this book to reach others with the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that has been to so many pastors and so many people that are there that have been discouraged. We pray that it might be an encouragement to pastors and to people here in the States too. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Just in closing, I wanted to say, we have 60 classes going on every week from the people of our church in Guadalajara, Mexico, where I was pastor for 23 years. And they have a real burden to see souls saved the pastor called me the other day and said, Pastor, we have half of our church are new people. I said, what's happened? Have you lost the other people? No, he says, our people are working like crazy and our church is growing. What a blessing. I am thrilled. How about you? You can work too. I, I have the books back in the back there. I sell them just at cost. The money doesn't go to me. I have never received one penny from the sale of this book. It goes to our ministry, but for $5, you can have the book, either in Spanish or English. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs>